We have a vaccine for the coronavirus, and now all we need to do is figure out who gets the vaccine. Should be pretty easy, right? Because we know that old older people are more vulnerable to the virus. Younger people basically don't have much risk of death for the virus. So you just give it to them based on age. No, the New York Times has a different idea in an article titled The Elderly Versus Essential Workers. Who should get the coronavirus vaccine first? The, the uh, New York Times' brilliant idea, backed up by public health experts, is uh, to give it to non-white people uh, rather than white people because the white people don't deserve the vaccine. I kid you not. This from Mark Lip- Lipsitch, an infectious disease epidemiologist at Harvard, says uh, teachers should not be considered essential workers uh, if the goal of the committee is to reduce health inequities. A uh, quote, teachers have middle-class salaries, are very often white, and they have college degrees. You know, they should be treated good and everything, but you know, not like uh, other, other workers. You know, they're white. They don't, they don't deserve to live. Uh, next one from, what's this guy's name? From Harold Schmidt, an expert in ethics, <laughs> ethics and health policy at the University of Pennsylvania, says that it is reasonable to put essential workers ahead of older adults because, not because the workers are essential, not because the jobs they're doing are so essential, which is a morally dubious uh, question at best, but because, quote, older populations are whiter. Society is structured in a way that enables them to live longer. Instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already had more of them, we can start to level the playing field a bit. So how do we determine who gets the coronavirus vaccine? Uh, we need to kill all the white people. According to the left, the, uh, the time for unity and healing involves killing off disfavored races. And the craziest part of it is, it's not just the New York Times that thinks that. It's not just radical leftists in the media. That is the argument coming straight out of the CDC. Welcome to the New American Cast System. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Friday from Jimmy Hartman, who says, this is the proper response to eternal lockdowns. One, don't close your business. Two, don't wear a mask. Three, don't pay the fine. Four, do not live in fear. Completely right. The the only qualifier I'll put on that is if you have to live in fear at all, it will be in fear of the government forcing these stupid things on you because 99.7% chance you're going to be fine if you get the coronavirus but uh, you have a much lower chance of being okay if the government comes after you for not submitting to their capricious rules. Rand Paul had a great medical, scientific, and political discussion of these masks over the weekend. Uh, you know, we will, we will remember back to those halcyon days of 10 or 11 months ago before we all had to cover up our faces in public and rarely go into public as we're locked up in our homes. 15 days to slow the spread, the longest 15 days of my entire life. Can you even remember all that way back? Well, if you want to remember those wonderful memories, you should get Legacy Box. Legacy Box is an effortless way to have your aging tapes, films, and photos digitally preserved in a modern format so that they are safe for generations. So many of us have these irreplaceable moments on tapes and film reels that we can no longer watch. Your home movies have become like a time capsule. Legacy Box can help you open it, restore all those important moments, keep them organized and safe for the future because they will deteriorate if you keep them on those old media. I tell you this, it's very sad to me. A, a beloved family member who died, I, I just had all the physical photos, I lost them. And this was before I had Legacy Box. So the first thing I did when Legacy, when I learned about Legacy Box, I sent them in, mailed them in. I got my physical media back. I got them digitized. I can have those memories forever. Right now, Legacy Box is offering 50% off so you can have everything preserved at once for a fraction of the regular price. Once you have these digital versions, you can relax knowing that they will be secure for generations. It's last minute, I know, but you can still get the most meaningful gift for Christmas. Head on over right now, legacybox.com slash Knowles. Take advantage of this limited time offer, 50% off. Uh, then use their kit, send it in whenever you're ready. Legacybox.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Save 50% while supplies last. I'm looking at my hands and my 
are, I don't know if I'm entitled to get the coronavirus vaccine. I, I think I'm technically white. I, because of my Southern Italian ancestry, Sicilian, I, I'm a little swarthier, you know, maybe this will bump me a little further up the line to get the vaccine because the vaccine now is not going to be uh, given out based on your age. It's not going to be given out based on your risk factors for catching this virus. It's not even going to be given out based on your professional risk factors. It's going to be given out uh, whether you're in a favored race or a disfavored race. And according to the New York Times, if you're white, according to these public health experts at Harvard, at all of these elite institutions, if you're white, you don't deserve the vaccine. And the premise here is that you're all, we're all going to die from coronavirus. It's so super duper dangerous that you got to lock yourself in your room. We have to wait for the vaccine. So what they are saying, the, the experts and the media, they're saying that if you're white, you deserve to die. <laughs> you don't, you don't be, because of historical injustice, that's the catch all phrase. You don't deserve to have this life-saving vaccine. I have questions about how deadly the virus really is. We were told initially that, you know, this was extraordinarily deadly. Then we have studies that show 99.7% survival rate. So I got questions about that. I got some questions about the vaccine. But nonetheless, according to their premise, that is the new American caste system. And the CDC is backing it up. According to the Daily Mail, the CDC has, quote, advised states to consider ethnic minorities as a critical and vulnerable group in their vaccine distribution plans. This is already in effect. Half of the nation's states have, have plans that prioritize black, Hispanic, and indigenous residents over white people in some way as the vaccine rolls out. According to the uh, Daily Mail's analysis, 25 states have committed to focus on racial and ethnic communities but, but only, obviously, not all, everyone has a race, everyone has an ethnicity. So only some favored racial and ethnic communities as they decide which groups should be prioritized in receiving a coronavirus vaccine dose. This is absolutely disgusting. This is against the law. This is criminal. The people who are putting this into effect should be brought up on charges for it. It's absolutely outrageous. They won't be because no matter how much you hear the left talk about color blindness, uh, racial justice, racial equality. They don't want that at all. Uh, what they want is uh, a sort of inver- uh, what you would call inverted racism. It's just racism. It's just bigotry that uh, disfavors white people and Asian people who now, by the way, for uh, many institutions are being counted as white people. I don't know how they, they had that uh, unfavorable uh, title foist upon them, but that's where we stand. And they would favor other races. Now, this is so disgusting this is so vile and anti-American that the CDC is walking this back. So after the hubbub over all of this, uh, they said that, okay, now Americans over 75 should be able to get the vaccine along with the essential frontline workers and the favored races, uh, which is an improvement, I suppose, but it's still not enough. We know that people who are 65 to 75 are at a higher risk than frontline workers generally. But if you're 65 to 75 and you're white, then you're, you're not permitted to get it, according to these reports, according to the CDC. Does not fully address the issue. Now, it's very easy to say that this is hypocrisy, right? And I think most of the conservative criticism of, of these disgusting policies is that it's hypocrisy. It's actually not hypocrisy. To use a phrase from the great Harvard law professor, Adrian Vermeule, when the left does all these kinds of crazy things, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. The left, you know, we, we always talk about, well, the tolerant left or, well, you know, the race blind left or whatever. Uh, when I listen to leftists today, they don't really talk about tolerance all the time, at least not in the way we understand it. They're not really talking about racial equality in the way that conservatives would talk about it. They, they are actively coming out and saying, no, we need to prioritize certain favored groups over other favored groups. We don't want equality. We don't want fairness. We want a kind of reverse caste system for the alleged historical injustices. That's, that isn't hypocrisy. To, to give the devils their due, to give the leftists their due, they are explicitly saying, yeah, white people have had too many advantages, so now we're going to give them disadvantages, even if that means that you've got this vaccine that we're all telling you is very, very important to get. Well, you're not getting it. Too bad. That's because of your race. Now, the CDC is walking this back because it's just too far even for, for where the country is right now. But all it is doing is testing the limits of ideology, 
right? All, all it's doing is seeing how far can we push our racial grievance sort of politics. I, I was over the weekend, I was at TPUSA. It was, I think, the largest, not just the largest conservative gathering in America. There were about 1,600, 2,000 students there in the room. This is the largest gathering on earth right now. They are standing athwart these lockdowns and yelling, stop. But we were, we were discussing kind of the, the, how far this sort of thing is going to go. And it's, they're, they're going to keep pushing and pushing this idea until someone says stop. You always hear about uh, questions of reparations or racial justice or whatever. How can we finally correct the wrongs of the past? First of all, you can never right the wrongs of the past because they go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But second of all, let's just say you could. Let's say we have a reparations program and you could figure out exactly who deserves to get the money and exactly who deserves to pay the money, which is virtually impossible, but just for the sake of argument, let's go with it. And you, you could arrange this and then that will correct the, the racial injustices. Okay, fine. Give me a number. Give me a number. What's the amount of money? I'll, I'll pay it. Assuming I can pay. If we can, so, that solves all the problems once and for all. Great. Give me a number. I'll write a check. And, and give me a date. Give me an end date. Because I, I want to know if we're going to correct the, the injustice by forcing certain groups to pay more and other groups to, do, to have fewer rights and whatever. Okay, fine. Give me the end date and the amount of money and then we'll solve it and then we can move on and we'll all be happy, right? There is no end date. There is no amount of money. It's a lie. It's a total lie to create a new hierarchy. Conservatives don't want there to be a racial hierarchy, right? We want to say, yes, we're all Americans. We're all going to, the left uh, is, uh, has a different idea. Now, I'm not too worried about the vaccine thing because I don't intend to get the vaccine because I'm a young, healthy person and I don't see any reason that I should. I think most of the experts feel this way too. The only people I think who believe in these kind of the necessity of these lockdowns and canceling Christmas and canceling Thanksgiving and, and not seeing your family. I think the only people who believe that are gullible liberals. The experts themselves are flouting their own rules. We saw it with Pelosi. We saw it with Fauci. We saw it with Gavin Newsom. We saw it with uh, Cuomo. We saw it with the other Cuomo. We saw it with everyone in our public health sector on the political side and on the scientific side. And now I'm sorry to say it's even come down to Dr. Scarf, Dr. Deborah Burks. She was considered the slightly better uh, version of Anthony Fauci. Turns out Dr. Scarf has been flouting her own rules. I thought she was the one public health expert that we could maybe rely on. You know, I was, thought she was the one who was really just dedicated to serious thought, not to these kind of political games. Unfortunately, that's not, not the case. Not, not much of a pure thinker. If you want to be a thinker though, you got to check out thinker. In our fast paced world, you know, it's very difficult to make reading a priority. At least it used to be. At thinker.org, they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction. They give you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. You can read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes from old classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People to recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Thinker offers a huge variety of titles from across a ton of different categories, current affairs, politics, business, education, history, relationships. You'll even find titles from our very own Ben Shapiro, Right Side of History, or Matt Walsh, The Unholy Trinity. But it doesn't just stop there. Maybe they'll have my book with words when it comes out, which won't be too long from now. It's very tough, you know, in, in, in this time to make uh, the, the free time to read, but you, you really have to. One, because you want to challenge your preconceptions. Two, because you want to expand your horizons. And three, this is most important because you want to sound smart at cocktail parties. Go to thinker, T-H-I-N-K-R.org. No E, no time for that. Start a free trial and download the app today. Let them know that you heard about them on the Michael Knowles show. That is thinker.org. So right before Thanksgiving, Dr. Scarf warned Americans to be vigilant. Limit celebrations to your immediate household. Then the day after Thanksgiving, do you know what Dr. Scarf did? She went to her home on Fenwick Island in Delaware and she didn't go alone. She was accompanied by three generations of the Scarf family. 
Uh, it was Dr. Burks, uh, her husband, uh, daughter, son-in-law, two grandchildren, all present. There are lockdown rules for thee, but not for me. That is how all of these guys have been treating it. And when Dr. Scarf was called out for this, she responded, I can't, this is the perfect response. She goes, I did not go to Delaware for the purpose of celebrating Thanksgiving. Yeah, you went for the purpose of celebrating the day after Thanksgiving. As if Thanksgiving Day, that's the only day that the virus is dangerous. Because the virus, not only can it discern between political ideologies, not only does it know not to infect people at BLM rallies, but definitely to infect people at anti-lockdown conservative rallies, not only does it know not to affect people at left-wing riots, but definitely to infect people at churches, but moreover, it knows Thanksgiving Day, that's when we're going to infect everybody. But day after Thanksgiving, look, the, the virus, just like all of us, it's full. It's stuffed. It doesn't, it doesn't need any more. That was the first part of her excuse. The second part, this was perfect. I didn't even know this was a verb. She said she had to go up there. She had to go to her house to winterize the property. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you, we all need to go winterize our vacation homes, don't we? What are you going to, you're going to allow your, your vacation home to be summarized during the winter? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine how humiliating that would be? Wouldn't you feel the fool if you had summarized your home in winter and you can't go winterize your vacation home alone? (laughs) No, no, no. What? You're going to go winterize your home and then not have an elaborate feast with your family? No, please. This is, this is a civilized country. I don't care if we're in the middle of a pandemic can't ask. We can ask people to give up their jobs and their loved ones' funerals and all of their holidays and their livelihoods and their life savings. We can, they can give that up, but they can't give up winterizing their second home. Pretty pathetic stuff. I wish she had just come out and said, sorry, whoops, you caught me. I obviously, I'm not worried about the virus. None of us are worried about the virus. We wash our hands or whatever, but you know, it's an epidemic. It's going to spread anyway. It's fine. Live your life. Don't imprison yourself for more than a year. We're not doing it. You shouldn't do it either. No, because this is all about power. And you're you're seeing this on the vaccine. It it occurred to me, uh, conservatives are all being shamed, yelled at, you know, you need to wear the mask. You need to lock down. You can't see your friends. You can't see your family. You need to get the vaccine. But then the minute conservatives do get the vaccine, we're told you shouldn't get the vaccine because of these new crazy racial hierarchies. And actually, it's, it goes even beyond race. It goes to ideology, if you really look into it. Marco Rubio, down in Florida, gets the vaccine, takes a big picture of it. This is part of a public health campaign. Members of Congress have been cleared to have the vaccine as a matter of both national security, because they're you know elected officials, but also uh, to encourage other people who are skeptical of the vaccine to go get it. It's all going to be fine, right? So Rubio does this. He follows the rules and goes and does this. And he's being criticized. Dr. Jeremy Faust, who's some blue check mark on Twitter. He says, I'm an ER doctor. And despite trying, I have not been able to get the vaccine. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I guess, I guess the ER doctor should get it before the Senator. Maybe, I don't know. I see there's an argument there, I guess. Anna Navarro, that fake Republican who goes on television on all the left-wing channels, She tweets out, she was more scathing. She says, young, healthy senator who spoke at rallies packed with thousands without masks, who supports Trump, who's downplayed COVID and mocked those who wear masks, is the first to get the vaccine while most medical workers, elderly and infirm Americans wait. Congratulations on your privilege, Marco Rubio. Now me, I don't intend to get the vaccine. Not because I've had, I've had other vaccines, but I just, I'm probably not going to get this one because I don't think I need it because statistically I have a very low risk of dying from this virus. It's possible that I could, but everything about life involves risk. I could walk out right now and get hit by a car. And so I just, I don't really, I don't, I don't get flu shots either. I'm just not too worried when I'm, when I'm more elderly and frail, I will get them. Now I don't, I'm pleased to know though, that I will be lauded for my great nobility that I'm leaving more vaccines for the people who need them much more than I do. I'm so, I'm so happy that my choice, my very likely choice not to get the vaccine will be perceived as virtuous, but, but of course it won't, right? It's just any, anything conservatives do with regard to this virus, whether you lock down, whether you go out, whether you get the vaccine, whether you don't get the vaccine, anything you do will be called wrong and evil and terrible. And you're a murderer. 
And there is a double standard, it would appear, for millennial politicians. Because at the same time Rubio is posting his little picture, AOC is posting video after video of her getting the vaccine, talking about the vaccine. There she is. She's got her shoulder exposed, doctor pushing in the syringe, AOC. Well, I, I assume she's smiling. I can't tell because she's wearing that mask. Relax your arm. There you go. All right. That's it. That's yes, it. ma'am. Oh, good. Hooray. She's being applauded. That's so wonderful. Not good when Rubio does it, but great when she does it. This is also not hypocrisy. This is not hypocrisy. This is hierarchy. You actually, you heard the CDC and the New York Times say it, that you, you, we need to prioritize members of certain races. So you could say, okay, AOC is a, I don't know the proper term now. Is it Hispanic? Is it Latino? I saw someone's because it's Latinx. I don't know. Whatever it is, she's a member of this particular race that is supposed to get the vaccine before everyone else. And Rubio is a white guy, right? Well, no, I guess Rub- Rubio is a Hispanic guy. But then if you read further into the left's sort of perverse views on race, you'll remember uh, Hannah Nicole Jones, the 1619 Project lady, who came out just a couple of months ago and said, there's a difference between being physically one race and politically that race. This was in response when Joe Biden said, if you're not voting for me, you ain't black. And she defended him. She came out and she said, look, there's a difference between being physically black, like Clarence Thomas, and politically black, like Malcolm X. Right. According to these people, I'm just using their own words. This is not my fevered interpretation of what they're saying. According to these people, Marco Rubio, he really isn't Hispanic. Clarence Thomas, he they really isn't black. They might look that way, but they're not really because they're conservative. And if you don't go along with the leftist agenda, you are not really that race. All of these sort of Uh, shortcuts. You know, they focus on race a lot, but whether it's sex or sexual desire or whatever, they're, they're always kind of circling back around to this ideology. That is not necessarily hypocrisy because they are open about it. It's just hierarchy. What this is all about is power. What this is all about to use Rand Paul's words. He just gave this yesterday at TPUSA. I didn't, I actually didn't run into him there, but uh, we probably missed each other by a couple hours. He, he had a great line, which is that these lockdowns and these masks are not about medicine. They're not about ideology. They're not about science. The way the vaccine's going to be rolled out, what it's all about is submission. It'd be one thing if we were told you have to give up your liberty, you have to give up your freedom, we're going to save your life. But what if you have to give up all your freedoms and they're wrong on the science? Every one of the mandates, and you look in country after country, state after state, and you look at when the mask mandates went in, the incidents went up exponentially after the mandates. Restaurants, nobody can eat in a restaurant. There's no science behind any of that. Middle seat missing on the airplane. You really think you're like 12 inches from the other guy instead of six inches. It really makes a difference. None of it really makes any sense. And there's no epidemiological evidence. You know, it's like, wash your hands, stand six feet apart. There's no evidence that that slowed down the, the I think that the trajectory of the, the virus has been, it hasn't been altered at all by any of these things. Hasn't been altered at all. If only somebody had been saying that from the beginning. Oh yeah. Well, it's not just me. It's all the conservatives have been saying this from the very beginning. Now, Rand Paul, not just an expert on politics, U.S. Senator, he's also an expert scientist, right? He is a medical doctor. He practices medicine. He understands science. He will be written off. He's not a real expert. He's not a real doctor. He's not a real politician. He's not because he's on the wrong side of it. But the point he's making is absolutely true. This is capricious. This has nothing to do with science. The way that the CDC is talking about it, I mean, it's so offensive to people of all races, I think, to say only this special race gets the virus, gets the vaccine. And this special race, this unspecial race rather, does not get the vaccine. It's so offensive to everybody. Regardless of that, uh, which race gets it and whatever, 
We all have to acknowledge that's not scientific. It's being gussied up in the language of science. They say, well, certain races, because they work certain jobs more likely, or they live in certain neighborhoods more likely, or they have certain income more likely. Therefore, they're at greater risk, and therefore we need to use race as a shortcut to get the vaccine. They're gussying it up in the language of science, which the left always does. You see this most notably on, on environmentalism, because they'll say, for 100 years, the left has wanted what? Uh, universal socialized healthcare. They've wanted massive wealth redistribution. They've wanted uh, much more government control. They wanted a big expansion of the bureaucracy. They wanted to give up some national sovereignty to transnational institutions. And so in the 70s, they said, we have to do all these things because of overpopulation. And it turned out overpopulation was complete BS. They said, there are going to be famines if we don't do this. Inevitable. It's going to happen. World population doubles. We're all fatter than ever. Then they said, it's global cooling. We're heading to a new ice age. So we got to do all the stuff we want. And then global cooling turned out to be bunk. And they said, no, it's actually, it's global warming. And so, but we still need all the exact same solutions that coincidentally we've wanted politically for a hundred years. Then global warming stops for a little while. So they say, okay, no, it's, it's climate change, you know, cause it was sunny yesterday and now it's foggy. So you, you, anyway, you still got to give us the exact same answers. Okay. If you can gussy anything up in this silly jargon and pretend that it's scientific and therefore outside the realm of debate, but it ain't. It's all politics. You want to see the, the, the great abasement of, of science is we've now got Dr. Fauci. Now, he's not only playing the politician, he's also playing an entertainer on television. You know, it, when I think of people that I could see this, this Christmas, I, I know that uh, we're not supposed to see anybody, but you know, who's going to come knocking on my door? It could be a delivery man, could be my mother-in-law, the worst one that it could be, Dr. Fauci. Uh, he was one, he, I would not answer the door if Dr. Fauci rang my bell. That's why I'm so glad that we have ring ring. You know, it's doorbell season. Okay. It's the busiest time of the year at your front door. You're going to want to know who's at your house. You're going to want to keep an eye on the hustle and bustle, no matter where you are right from your phone. This weekend I flew out. I was in Georgia. I was in Florida. I was all over the place. If somebody stops, why I'm going to want to know who's at that door. Sweet little Elisa is a very good shot, you know? because she just keeps blasting and blasting and blasting. But look, I don't, I don't want to have to fix my door or anything like that. I want my sweet little Elisa to be able to see who's outside the door uh, before she opens the door. This holiday season, it's not just the best time to have a ring. It is the best time to give it to. It's a little secret. I hope none of the friends I've given it to are listening right now. The reason I give ring out as a housewarming gift to my friends, not just because it's terrific, not just because it makes you feel like you're living in the future, it's because it's not that expensive, it's, but it seems very expensive. Great time to give the gift. For a limited time, go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for special holiday offers. That is ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Now, we've got to take a quick break. You know that we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up in this new year. One thing we've got is the historical docu-series, Apollo 11, What We Saw, now available exclusively for Daily Wire members. Apollo 11, what we saw is available to watch as well as listen over at dailywire.com. Make sure to get our Apple TV or Roku apps to get all of our content on the big screen, like tonight's Christmas edition of Backstage. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 20% off your membership with code watch and access all of our new and existing content. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. You want to see what a farce the scientific establishment has become now that they've beclowned themselves getting into the scientific racism or the sort of getting into these kind of caste system uh, developments. But we've got the exalted Dr. Fauci, our most powerful politician in the country and therefore the world, going on television and doing a little soft shoe, playing the entertainer and joking about Santa Claus to allay all the fears that they've all instilled in the children. And Elmo's back for something else that I think is on a lot of kids' minds. Elmo's friend has a question about Santa Claus. How did Santa get the vaccine? And is it safe for him to go in the house? How can Santa Claus safely give out presents with COVID-19 spreading everywhere? How can he do it? Will Santa still be able to... A visit me in coronavirus season. What if he can't go to anyone's house or near his reindeer? 
Well, I have to say I took care of that for you because I was worried that you'd all be upset. So what I did a little while ago, I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presence. He can leave and you have nothing to worry about. Santa Claus is good to go. It's going to be so sad when Santa Claus has complications from this thing. And then Dr. Fauci will have killed jolly old St. Nicholas. That will be so, that'll be like the worst thing Fauci ever did, but probably that won't happen, right? Probably Santa Claus will be totally fine. He'll have the vaccine. Uh, that'll, that'll be all good. Except I was just told by Dr. Fauci that even after you get the vaccine, you are not supposed to travel. You are still supposed to wear the mask all the time. You are not allowed to go out and live your life. So one day Fauci, t- I, no, maybe it's just, maybe it's just hierarchy. Maybe <laughs> I have to play by a certain set of rules, but jolly old St. Nicholas does not. This is very silly stuff. And it, it shows you, by the way, how un- unserious it all is. When Fauci and Burks and Cuomo and Pelosi and Newsom and the one in Chicago, what's her name, Lori Lightfoot, and the one in D.C., what's her name, uh, I don't even remember the mayor of D.C., and de, the one in New York, de Blasio, and the, all these different people, when they violate their own rules, you can tell they're being unserious about the, the lockdown measures. But when they make little jokes about it like this, you can tell they're being unserious too. They go on, oh yeah, no, we said, oh, you have to get the vaccine, but hey, Santa Claus will be fine. No, don't worry, kids, just just do whatever we say. We want to allay your fears. Also, by the way, what, what they are doing to children right now with this virus is abusive. They are robbing children of much of their childhood, right? They're robbing them of some of the most, what could be the most joyous years of their life, right? You just get to go outside and play, be in school, see your friends. That's gone because of this ridiculous political exercise. But also, they're really terrifying these kids. You see rates of anxiety are already going up in children now for the past couple of years because of their parents' neuroses. And now these children are terrified because of a virus where it is statistically impossible to kill them. The odds of a child dying from coronavirus are so infinitesimally small that these children should be more afraid of the boogeyman hiding in their closet. And yet, they are afraid. And of course they are afraid because of these fear-mongering cynics and scoundrels in the public health establishment and in the media and in elective office who are using this virus as an opportunity for social engineering. They said it, the New York Times said it in their ridiculous racist article and the CDC in their ridiculous racist guidelines. They're saying this is really an opportunity to, you know, fix some inequities fix some historical injustices. What does that mean? Oh, you mean it's not, you're going to exploit a pandemic to push your own perverse racial policies. Very, very, and you know, by the way, there are actual problems in the country. I know because we've turned this uh, particular pandemic into the, the worst crisis that America's ever faced that we've forgotten we have other problems. Right now in San Francisco, Many multiples more people are dying from drug overdoses than are dying from coronavirus. Uh, 621 people have died in San Francisco from drug overdoses this year compared to 173 people who've died from coronavirus. And by the way, we know that the coronavirus numbers are inflated, that that's not some wild, crazy theory. We know it because the county coroners and health officials have pointed out that people who are dying from gunshots are being counted as COVID deaths. We don't know the extent of the overcounting, but there certainly is overcounting going on because any person who dies with the coronavirus is said to have died from the coronavirus. We don't know. It could be a very small number. It could be a huge number. But here's what we do know. Regardless of what, how reliable that number is, many multiples more people are dying from drugs in, in San Francisco. That's considered fine. According to the new standards, we should legalize all drugs. It's a personal choice. It's a matter of personal freedom. You have a right, darn it, a natural right to kill yourself with drugs. I don't think that's true, but that is the new standard we're living under. And even many conservatives go along with that. I know so many conservatives 
who say, ah, the war on drugs failed. I don't even know what that statement means. We put a lot of drug dealers in prison. Doesn't sound like that failed to me. Sounds like it worked pretty well. Well, people still do drugs. Yeah, of course they do. People are still going to, we have laws against murder. People are still going to commit murders. The point is you want to punish these things and try to control these things. But that, that system has been flipped, including on murder, by the way. Now, LA, and this is shocking even to me, I know how left-wing LA gets, but the LA district attorney already was a huge liberal. And that LADA lost to an even more radical person, George Gascon, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, who is running on a platform and who won on a platform basically of springing some of the worst prisoners from the clink. So he recently was approached while he was giving a little talk. He was approached by the mother of Joshua Rodriguez, who was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered in 2015. And recently special circumstances were filed on the accused killers. Those will be dropped under Gascon's new policy, which will take life without parole off the table. So the killers will not seriously be punished for what they did. And this mother walks up to this new DA and starts pleading with him, yelling at him. Listen to the arrogance. Listen to the contempt in this jerk's voice. I apologize. You know, it's unfortunate that we have people that do not have enough education to keep their mouth shut for a moment so we can talk. Oh. Uh, but oh. anyway. Uh, My son can never to... speak again because he was murdered. Uh, he was kidnapped, tortured, uh, and murdered. To communicate with you. My I son matters. walking away. He's just, he doesn't need to hear this. What does he care? This guy, Gascon, is cartoonishly villainous. Can you imagine a grieving mother saying, these people murdered my son and you're going to let them get off the hook basically, or you're going to let them have a much less severe punishment. And he turns to her with pure disdain. And he says, I'm sorry that some people are not educated enough to keep, to know when to keep their mouth shut so that I can talk. This guy is particularly visibly villainous. This is how every single one of these establishment elites thinks about the rest of their countrymen. They might not say it. They might have slightly better political sense than to say that, but that is what they think. They think, why are these little plebeians? Why are they Oh, your murdered son. Oh, what? You think he should be, the killers should be punished? You just don't have as brilliant and broad a mind as I have to understand that actually the killers, they're victims of a system and you just don't, you're too, you're too close. You're too emotional. You frivolous woman. You're not educated like me. You, I don't care about your pleading. That's what they think. That's what they've thought about us from the beginning, by the way, with this lockdown, isn't it? We say, you know, our family members are dying alone for absolutely no reason. We're not allowed to have funerals. We haven't been able to see them. We can't live. You've taken our livelihoods from us. You've taken our life savings from us. You won't give us any, even any sort of stimulus, not any significant stimulus to stay afloat. We're losing everything over here. And what do the public health experts say? They basically say, gosh, some people are not educated enough to know when to keep their mouth shut and let Dr. Fauci talk or Dr. Scarf talk, even though we don't believe what we're saying. We don't believe it for us but we believe it for you. You all need to stay locked down and lose your livelihoods so that, you know, we're going to commute on Zoom. We're going to go to our beach houses. No big deal. That's a hierarchy. Dr. Scarf and Dr. Fauci and Pelosi and Gavin Newsom at the French Laundry and Cuomo and all these guys, they get to do things that the rest of Americans don't get to do because they're in a special privileged class. And according to the left, there ought to be special privileged classes. And if you're a member of a special privileged class, you get, the, you get to go to the beach house and you get to have Thanksgiving and you get the vaccine first and that's it. You, you deserve it. And you, you know, they'll just pay lip service to historical injustice, oppression. Uh, I don't know, whatever the buzzword is. That's uh, uh, intersectionality. That's, and that's why 
There's really no argument there. It's because they're in the class and you're not in the class. I'll give you a, a really great example of this. Uh, I think it was a week ago or so. The Proud Boys, you know the Proud Boys, they're sort of a raucous group on the right. Uh, so, and there, there have been members of the Proud Boys, by the way, who are pretty extreme. So I'm not, I'm not saying all totally defensible. I think that the leader of the Proud Boys has been unfairly targeted as a white supremacist. And my evidence that he's unfairly targeted as, as a white supremacist is that he's a black Hispanic guy. <laughs> but he's not, no, he's not though, actually, according to the left, even though he is black and Hispanic, his name's Enrique Tarrio. Uh, he's, he, he's not really because he's politically conservative and he likes the American flag. And so he's not, he's a white, he's a neo-Nazi basically. He's a white supremacist. Doesn't look like one, but according to them, he is one. So the Proud Boys were having some march or rally or something. And they, they ripped a BLM sign off of, or a flag off of a church. Shouldn't do that. That's a crime. Can't steal people's property. Very bad thing to do. Then they burned the BLM flag. This is being investigated as a hate crime. How many, to put this in perspective, how many American flags do you think were ripped off of buildings during the BLM riots and the Antifa riots over the summer? How many American flags do you think were stolen from people, maybe set on fire? I think a good number. And the reason I say this is because BLM and Antifa were burning buildings down in this summer. So I suspect maybe there was an American flag somewhere around there. No big deal. Actually, when BLM and Antifa burn down buildings, that is completely defended by the establishment. But when these guys get, get a little rowdy, they take the flag, they shouldn't have taken the flag, then they burn that. That is being investigated as a hate crime. Now, I think it's wrong to steal. I don't think we should steal people's flags. However, if you go out and buy your own BLM flag and then douse it in gasoline and set it on fire, that is a good thing because BLM is a Marxist organization that hates this country. It is an evil organization and absolutely it should not be tolerated in a civilized society. It is explicitly Marxist and it comes out, it explicitly says it wants to destroy the nuclear family. What that has to do with uh, racial justice, I'm not quite sure. And Tario comes out and he says, the burning of this banner wasn't about race, religion, or political ideology. It was about a racist movement that has terrorized the citizens of this country, BLM. I will not stand by and watch them burn another city. Now, he was, he was being a little loose with his language here. I agree it wasn't about race. Mr. Tario is the same race as, as the people of BLM putatively are, right? It's, it's, uh, he's a black guy, black and Hispanic. It wasn't about religion. In a way, it is about religion, right? Because the conservatives tend to be Christian and BLM is Marxist, therefore materialist, atheistic. And it is about political ideology. BLM is not a, ra- it's not a racial movement primarily. It's a, it's a political and ideological movement. But this is a, a hierarchy. You can burn, if you, if you burn the American flag, you will hear people on the left and sort of squishies on the right tell you that's wonderful. Oh, it's so, it's so important. Thomas Jefferson, want, want, he wrote the declaration so you can burn the flag. It's a, a great, I'll defend to the death your right to burn the flag. The minute someone burns a rainbow flag, someone burns a BLM flag, someone probably even burns an Antifa flag, all of a sudden you're going to make a federal case out of it. It's all about overthrowing the old standards, all about smashing the patriarchy. There was a gal who, this video went viral. I don't know how, I don't know why. I don't think it is being uh, facetious. I don't think it's irony or satire. I think this is the new standard. I can't even describe it. Take a listen. Well, I have this thing, call it a little quirk, if you will. I have hair in my armpits. I have it there for a few reasons. One, lazy. Two, the patriarchy. And three, your response to them tells me everything I need to know about you. Okay. And for those who just listened to that and didn't see it on the internet, this girl has shaved about two thirds of her head. And then she has a lot of hair in the back of her head. And she's got these thick mutton chops and has armpit hair and, you know, is, uh, has, has made some interesting fashion choices. She would appear to be on the left. I don't think she's right wing. I think this is her standard. Smash the patriarchy. And what does that really get to? It gets to this left wing view of the country that is totally full of resentment. 
everything in the past is bad. Every tradition is bad and it is oppressive and it stops us from being liberated, right? And this is, you see this with all of these stories, with the the way they want to upend the, on the left, they want to upend the economy, the way they want to institute these racist policies on the vaccine, the way that they want to uh, reorder our political system, the way they want to, to reorder all of these things. It's because the past is bad and the new system is going to be liberating and much better. Now let's go along with that for a second. Let's say, seriously, I, I don't, I don't obviously don't believe anything she said, but let's say that all those things are true. If that is liberation, I don't want it. <laughs> it, it. Does that girl seem like she's doing well? It, it's not even just that girl. She's an extreme example. When you go to your Thanksgiving holiday and your sort of blue haired feminist cousin-in-law or something comes up to you and, and starts yelling at you about liberation and your politics and Trump or whatever, you know, when you talk to these people, do they really seem like they've figured it out? Like they're in a good place? Like they're happy, they're thriving, they're flourishing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> that is not the look of a stable, grounded, centered person. And yet there are a great many people who are, who don't look or sound or shriek like that, who nevertheless believe those kinds of arguments. You know, look, they'll get married, they'll settle down, they'll basically live by the kind of conventional rules. And yet they will still buy into this ridiculous notion that the past and traditions are all terrible and oppressive and, you know, leftism is really liberating. They'll, they'll buy into it. They're being inundated with it by the public health establishment, by the mainstream media, by the entertainment media, by higher education, lower education, big tech, everything. So they buy into it. It's completely incoherent, but they buy into it. If the country has come that far apart, how are we supposed to come back together? When I was at TPUSA over the weekend, I did Charlie Kirk's podcast, which should be coming out sometime this week. And one topic he brought up is the idea of a national divorce, that we no longer have anything in common, anything whatsoever. You know, America does not you know, most people speak English, but it's not the only language that people speak in America. Uh, so we don't have that. We don't have a common religion. It was always Christianity broadly, but there were all the little intersection or intersectional, uh, it, the, all these denominational battles, you know, between certainly the Protestants and the Catholics and within the Protestants. So there's a kind of more broad, tolerant understanding of religion in terms of race. We've always, I mean, obviously a lot of white people came in uh, early on, but there, there always were mixed races in America. You had Indians brought in uh, from the earliest days into alliances with the pilgrims. You had African slaves brought over. You then had free Africans who were in some ways integrated into the society and in some ways kept out of the society. You had immigrants coming in from all over Europe. Then later on, you had immigrants from Asia. And so you've always had those quite, you don't have a common race really in America. You don't have a lot of common things. And yet, if you're all patriots, if you all love your country, if you can all broadly agree, not even on what your country stands for necessarily, you know, you, you need to get to some of that. But even just if you can all agree your country is good, and you like it, and you want it to succeed and continue, if you can agree on that, you can have a country. But we can't agree on that now. I think the, the flag issue, the flag, maybe hypocrisy, maybe hierarchy shows you this. The left is, is desecrating, disrespecting, in some cases outright burning the American flag right now. That is a level of extremism we had not seen in this country. For a long time, what the left would say is, look, I defend the right to burn the flag, but it's a condemnable act. RBG said this. She said, I think it's foolish and stupid and incoherent to burn the flag. Now you've got people cheering on Colin Kaepernick. Now you've got people pointing to the flag as basically just a symbol of the Republican party or conservatives or MAGA or Trump. And that's true. That's basically what it's become. The left has other flags, BLM, the rainbow flag, the Antifa flag, right? They've got all these other symbols for them. If you don't have even that common grounding, it's like any, divorce is an apt metaphor, I think, because let's say you and your wife are fighting. If you're trying to fix your marriage, you're not going to fix your marriage by saying, I was right about this and you didn't get this right and you did this to me and I did this to you and figure out exactly who was right. The way you're going to fix your marriage is you have to love one another. That's the first part of it. And right now it would seem the left does not love 
uh, conservatives. And frankly, conservatives aren't feeling particularly warm about leftists at this point because of all the madness that you see going on and all the uh, castigating us as bitter clinging bigots and fools and Nazis and all that sort of thing. Well, right now, according to Rasmussen, 56% of Americans see Joe Biden as the legitimately elected president. Only 56% actually might be as low as 52%, depending on how you word the question. That is a shocking, whatever you think about the election, just that number is shocking. Only 56% of Americans can even agree. And look, I think it's the left's fault. I think they undertook such outrageous irregularities in the election. In some places, they, they actually did cheat. And, and because of that, no one has, has faith in the process anymore. How do you have a country after that? Well, as the country sort of falls apart, then it becomes a raw power grab and you're going to see much stronger claims for hierarchy. And the ideological hierarchy has already kicked into effect. I, I hope we can stay on the air. <laughs> I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Walsh Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith, those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listener.